0: Welcome to the Money Metals Midweek Memo, news and commentary relating to sound money, the precious metals markets, and the economy. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. I'm a sucker for nostalgia. And I love old commercials, especially commercials from back when I was a kid. Now, some of you probably remember the Coca-Cola commercials from the early 1970s that featured the tagline, It's the real thing. The slogan was actually part of Coke's marketing strategy as early as the 1940s, but the line got new life in the catchy song that debuted in 1971, I'd like to buy the world of Coke and keep it company. And then it went on to say, that's the real thing. And then there was a series of commercials the following year, 1972, with the song that kicked off with the words, it's the real thing. Now, it was pretty darn effective advertising because I was only four years old in 1971 and I still remember the slogan and the song. Well, you know what? There's a real thing when it comes to money, and it ain't the paper bills in your wallet. It's gold and silver. Of course, modern financial systems spurn gold and silver. Governments prefer fiat money that they can easily manipulate for their own purposes. Primarily, they need the ability to create more money without limits in order to feed their appetite for spending. You can't do that with gold and silver. I actually talked last week about how the Fed money printing enables the federal government's excessive borrowing and spending, and I think it's pretty easy to understand that explanation. So if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to last week's show. And you know, the Fed has a problem, by the way. Remember how I talked about the fact that government can only issue so many bonds before supply outstrips demand? Well. If you didn't listen to the show last week, you probably don't remember that, but I did have that discussion. So again, check out that show. But when this happens, bond prices will start to fall. It's basic supply and demand. And since bond yields are inversely correlated with the price of bonds, that means interest rates are going up. And that's exactly what's happening now. The U.S. Treasury held two auctions on Monday. It sold two-year and five-year notes. And both auctions records. The Treasury sold $63 billion in two-year notes and $64 billion in five-year notes. So that means that the U.S. government added $127 billion to the national debt on Monday. Bloomberg described this uh, the demand as middling, despite yields near the highs of the year. So the year on the two-year started at 4.69%. That was 32.6 basis points higher than the previous auction. And the five-year, it started at 4.32%, which was up 26.5 basis points from last month. Now, after these auctions, interest rates across the yield curve strike. The yield on the 10-year rose above 4.3% after that second auction. As Zero Hedge put it, interest rates spiked, quote, with markets realizing just how much supply there is. So this is less than ideal. In simple terms, it means it's getting more expensive for the U.S. government to borrow money. They're oversaturating the market. And as I've discussed previously, the U.S. is already paying more in interest expense right now than it is in national defense. So I have to wonder how long it will be until the Fed is forced to stop shrinking its balance sheet and return to buying bonds to hold those rates down. By the way, even Jay Powell acknowledges that the borrowing and spending is a problem. During his uh, 60 Minutes interview earlier this month, he said it was time to have an adult conversation about the national debt. And he conceded that the U.S. government is on, quote, an unsustainable fiscal path. Powell said, quote, we're effectively borrowing from future generations. That's true. And he said it is time for us to put a priority on fiscal sustainability. And sooner is better than later. Now, of course, Powell is right, but I don't know, I think he might need to go sit in the corner and talk to himself, have an adult conversation with himself because he's part of the problem. If his central bank didn't buy bonds and print money, well, the federal government would be forced to deal with its spending addiction. Powell has a lot of nerve lecturing us about the debt problem. He is the pusher who supplies the drugs that keep the spending addicts in Washington DC high. So that brings us back to the concept of real money. If we had it, well, the Fed couldn't print it. I mean, you can't print gold and silver, right? Gold and silver are real money. So why do I say that gold and silver is money? I mean, you've probably heard people out there in the mainstream claim that gold is basically useless. Way back in 1923, economist John Maynard Keynes declared the gold standard is already a barbarous relic. Warren Buffett once said, gold gets dug out of the ground in Africa or someplace. Then we melt it down, dig another hole, bury it again, and pay people to stand around guarding it. It has no utility. Anyone watching from Mars would be scratching their head. And more recently, CNBC commentator Jim Leventhal said he had no interest in gold because it has no uses as a metal. Wait, what? I'm wearing gold right now. And it's highly likely that you are too if you're married. I mean, we use a lot of gold just to make jewelry. And I mean, obviously, people want that jewelry, right? So... That's a use. Plus, gold has all kinds of uses in technology, industry, and healthcare. For instance, the uh, the new telescope that's out there looking out into the universe it has gold on its panels. So, or not the panels, but the uh, but the lens. So, it's just an absurd statement, right? At its core, gold is money, and so is silver, and both have been money for thousands of years. But why? So let's dig into this a little bit. First, let's define what we mean by money. In the simplest terms, money is anything that serves the following three functions. It is a store of value, it is a unit of account, and it's a medium of exchange. Gold and silver do all three, and they do them well. Aristotle, he listed four characteristics of sound good money. He said, money must be durable, portable, divisible, and have intrinsic value. Gold and silver possess all of these characteristics. You can't destroy either one. I mean, you can change their form. You can melt them down, but you can't get rid of them. You can't destroy gold and silver. You can't make it go away. I mean, I guess unless you follow Buffett's advice and bury it in the ground. But of course, it's still there, right? You haven't destroyed it. It is durable. Doesn't rust, doesn't decay. Gold and silver are both portable. If you form gold and silver into coins, you can carry them in your pocket, right? Of course, the fact that you can form them into coins proves that gold and silver are divisible. You can divide it up. You could make it into pretty small amounts. And finally, gold has value because of its many uses. It's not just its trading value on the markets, and that's what we mean by intrinsic value. So gold and silver are perfect for money which explains why, over time, it won the battle in the marketplace and became money. Gold and silver are tangible, physical resources that are mined from the ground. They don't require government management, they are not subject to decay, and their supply naturally grows as they are mined. In fact, the gold stock grows roughly at the same pace as world population grows and new wealth is created. Its average annual growth rate has been basically 1.2% for the last 529 years. Now, compare that to dollars. The supply of dollars has varied from as low as a growth rate of 1% in uh, 1993 to as high as almost 20% back in 2020. So this causes all kinds of disruptive price volatility because it's not a consistent level of growth now of course today we don't have gold and silver as money we have fiat money fiat money is basically government issued currency it's not backed by anything physical it's not backed by gold or silver instead it's backed by the good faith and credit of the issuing government whatever in the heck that means basically it's just backed by our faith in it right or our faith in the government all modern government currencies at this point are fiat currencies, from yuan to yen to dollars. Although there are actually some reports out there that Zimbabwe, of all places, is talking about backing its currency with gold, which would make it not so much fiat. Uh, I'll actually link to an article about that on the show notes page. But fiat currency has no utility in and of itself, right? I mean, what are you gonna do with the Federal Reserve note if you're not using it for money? I mean, I guess you can use it for wallpaper, Uh, or maybe toilet paper, but it only has value because the government says it does and because people accept it. So, I already mentioned how fast the money supply grows. Economist Thorsten Pulliet explained it this way, quote, fiat currencies are produced by central banks and commercial banks with credit expansion. In fact, central banks in cahoots with commercial banks increase the outstanding money supply by extending loans to firms, private households, and government entities. It amounts to money creation from thin air or, in a way, counterfeiting money. Now again, you can only do this with fiat currency. You can't counterfeit gold. I mean, you know, you can make fake gold, but people are gonna figure that out, right? Counterfeit money, When when they counterfeit real money, when they just produce all of these dollars out of thin air, it's effectively counterfeiting. It's the the same difference, right? And that's why governments love it, because they need to be able to just blow up that supply when there's a quote-unquote crisis, like a war or a pandemic. So fiat currency benefits the government, and it actually benefits the government at our expense, because when the government increases... The amount of money in circulation, it inevitably leads to price inflation, which is devaluing your purchasing power. We've experienced that in spades over the last, what, two years or so. So which would you rather have? Gold and silver that fulfill every single characteristic of money or paper pumped out by governments and central banks? Virtually everybody would answer gold or silver. I mean, at least when you frame it that way, right? So why in the world do we have fiat? Well, because the government has monopolized money and then it convinced everybody that fiat is fine. It does all kinds of things to make it difficult to have gold or silver. It says gold and silver isn't money. It takes gold and silver out of the monetary system. It prints a bunch of dollars and then convinces people that that's good. The government puts all kinds of barriers in front of sound money, charges taxes on gold and silver, it creates tender laws that favor fiat, and over time, it's just gotten people used to using paper dollars that aren't really money at all. I guess that would be well and good, except for the fact that the fiat system always collapses. Every time through history, fiat has collapsed. Governments cannot resist using the power of the printing press. They want to give you goodies. They want to wage wars. Politicians want to increase their power. This is not a system that encourages restraint. We're seeing this now with a $34-plus trillion dollar national debt and massive budget shortfalls month after month after month. So we've got the Fed, the central bank, and it essentially operates a monopoly on money on behalf of the government. And and we've seen the results, right? I've already mentioned price inflation. We've suffered through that over the last several years. This is a direct effect of the reckless money printing that is only possible because we have a fiat currency totally controlled by the government. If we had gold and silver as money, or even money that is backed by silver and gold, or gold, then the government wouldn't be able to print it. You can't print gold. You can't print silver, right? You can't just increase that supply whenever you want. And that's exactly why the government had to get rid of the gold gold standard. That's why a big government guy like Keynes called it a barbarous relic. It's only barbarous for the government. It's not barbarous for us. It works just fine for us. And again, that's why gold and silver have been money for over 5,000 years. So You know, there's been some noise about ending the Fed, or at least auditing the Fed. This pops up every once in a while. Ron Paul really pushed this idea in the Fed. Fantastic idea. Unfortunately, I don't see it ever happening. D.C. politicians need the Fed. And since they're the ones kind of controlling things, they're not going to get rid of it. You can't wait for government people to fix government problems. As I said, it's a source of power for them. But there is some good news. We're starting to see some things going on at the state level to encourage sound money because the fiat system doesn't uh, it, it doesn't prop up state governments in the same way it does the federal government. So you might get some politicians and you do have some at the state level who are willing to do something to try to address this problem of a bottom-up approach, not going to end the Fed. What the idea is is to undermine the Fed's monopoly on money by creating currency competition, by making it possible for people to use sound money in everyday transactions along with Federal Reserve notes. And the idea is that eventually people will want to use sound money. They'll want to use good money instead of rapidly devaluing and maybe even collapsing fiat currency. So, several states have explicitly declared gold and silver as legal tender. Now, they shouldn't really have to do this. I mean, the United States Constitution states in Article 1, Section 10, quote, no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a legal tender in payment of debts. And yet we're using Federal Reserve notes because the government says so because, you know, the government doesn't have a whole lot of respect for the Constitution. So, currently, debts and taxes in pretty much every state are either paid with Federal Reserve notes, dollars, which were authorized as legal tender by Congress against the Constitution, or with coins issued by the US Treasury, very few of them actually have gold or silver in them. In fact, back in 1964, the government stopped making quarters and dimes out of silver. If you can find a quarter or dime that's dated prior to that time, it's a pretty good deal. Hold on to it because it's worth a lot more than a quarter or a dime. In 2011, Utah became the very first state in modern times to formally recognize gold and silver coins issued by the United States as legal tender. So in practice, the value is based on the market price of the metal, not the coin space value. That's very important because, you know, the the... The U.S. Mint still issues gold and silver coins, but they have a face value that is far less than the value of the metal. The Utah Tender Act and several other states that have followed suit declare that it is based on the value of the metal. So the impact of this is multi-tiered. Many forms of gold and silver inside Utah are now recognized to be what they were always supposed to be legal tender under Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution. The Utah law protects gold and silver's role as money, and it fosters their their use. It creates an environment that at least people can do it if they want to, right? It creates a firsthand opportunity for the state's 3 million-plus residents to experience the superiority of sound money. And if nothing else, it creates an educational impact because millions of people come into direct contact with sound money over time. And if this happens, the, the positives of it cannot be overstated. The law has also had a practical effect. It has opened the door for the development of a gold and silver market in the state of Utah. With at least a few legal hurdles cleared away, the state are cleared away by the state. The United States Precious Metals Association, otherwise known as UPMA, in partnership with Alpine Gold Exchange, set up the state's first gold bank. The company also created these things called gold backs. We actually sell them at Money Metals. It's a legal voluntary medium of exchange. These are physical notes made out of physical gold. The company has actually created a process that turns pure gold into a spendable physical form that is suitable for small transactions. So pretty darn cool. And again, you can actually get these at Money Metals. I'll put a link on the show notes uh, where you can check out goldbacks. Another way that we can uh, treat gold and silver more like money is by eliminating all taxes on their sale. This expands the market for precious metals and it facilitates their use as sound money. So, imagine this. If you asked a grocery clerk or let's say you went into a bank. You went into a bank, you got a $5 bill and you say to the bank, "Hey, can you split this into five ones? Can you make change for me?" And imagine that they, that they charged you a 35 cent tax. That's ridiculous, right? I mean, after all, you're only exchanging one form of money for another. But that's essentially what a sales tax on gold and silver does, right? Sales and capital gains taxes both treat gold and silver as property instead of money. They also raise transaction costs, and that creates a barrier to using gold and silver in everyday transactions. Repealing taxes is a crucial first step toward the use of gold and silver as money. As Sound Money Defense League Policy Director J.P. Cortez testified during a committee hearing on a Wyoming legal tender act back in 2018, charging taxes on money itself is beyond the pale. He said, in effect, states that collect taxes on purchases of precious metals are inherently saying gold and silver are not money at all. By the way, the Sound Money Defense League, that is a go-to all things sound money. There's a uh, sound money in the state's report. You can check out what uh, laws are in place in each state that impact gold and silver and sound money. So great place to go. I will put a link to that on the uh, show notes page. Another way to incentivize sound money is by the creation of bullion depositories that can facilitate electronic transactions using gold and silver. So whether they are private entities or state-run, bullion depositories can facilitate the use of sound money and undermine the Federal Reserve's monopoly on currency. The Texas Bullion Depository officially opened for business in 2018 after Governor Greg Abbott signed legislation creating it three years earlier. The beauty of a state bullion depository is the fact that it is protected, in a sense, under the Constitution, right? The state can use gold and silver as legal tender, based on the Constitution, and when it creates a bullion depository, it's simply facilitating this by making it possible to do it in an electronic form. So the Texas Depository provides a secure place for individuals, businesses, cities, counties, government agencies, anybody basically, um, even other countries, can store gold and other precious metals in the facility. Now, the depository doesn't currently have a system in place to execute transactions with gold and silver, but that is part of the long-term plan. According to an article in the Star-Telegram, state officials plan for the facility, quote, with an e-commerce component that also provides for secure physical storage for bullion. So ultimately, the goal is for depositors to be able to use a bullion-funded debit card, basically. It would seamlessly convert gold and silver to fiat currency in the background. Be Basically, just like sliding your Visa, your MasterCard, your bank card. And this would enable you to make instant purchases wherever credit or debit cards are accepted. But you're using gold and silver. That transfer would happen in the background in the gold depository. You don't have to have physical coins in order to do business in sound money. So this removes the biggest barrier to using gold and silver in everyday transactions, right? Dealing with physical coins is inconvenient and clunky in our modern electronic world. But if you can instantly buy and sell using gold and silver stored in a depository, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? And that's really what it comes down to. It's all about human action. These things that I'm talking about, you know, states passing laws, encouraging the use of gold and silver as money, it really doesn't do anything if individuals continue to support the government fiat regime by using government fiat money, whether paper or digital. People's willingness to use government fiat is what got us into this position to begin with. Instead, it's going to take people and businesses that are willing to use and accept forms of money that are not created and controlled by the government. See. Ideally, money would evolve within a free market based on consumer choices outside of government control. That's how gold and silver became money. In a paper for the Mises Institute, constitutional tender expert Professor William Green, who unfortunately has passed away, but he wrote a paper and he said when people in multiple states start using gold and silver instead of Federal Reserve notes, it could lead to an end of the federal government's monopoly on money. Quote, Over time, as residents of a state use both Federal Reserve notes and silver and gold coins, the fact that the coins hold their value more than Federal Reserve notes will lead to a reverse Gresham Law effect, where good money gold and silver, will drive out bad money, Federal Reserve Reserve notes. As this happens, a cascade of events can begin to occur, including the flow of real wealth toward the state's treasury, an influx of banking business from outside of the state, as people in other states carry out their desire to bank with sound money, and an eventual an eventual outcry against the use of Federal Reserve notes for any transactions. Now he's talking about gold coins, silver coins, again, by having bullion depositories that actually facilitate this electronically makes it even more possible. Green argued that once things get to that point, Federal Reserve notes would basically become unwanted and irrelevant for the ordinary people. So it's a market mechanism right it's market choice it's using the better thing and the better thing generally wins in the market the reason that we have crappy fiat money is because the government controls it and incentivizes us to use it now the good news is you don't have to wait to have sound money you can have sound money today you can buy gold backs you can buy gold coins you can buy silver coins. I highly recommend you give the folks at Money Metals a call. Talk to one of our precious metal specialists, 800-800-1865. These folks are great. They can help you understand the different products and the advantages and and what's going to work best for you. And if you don't feel like talking to somebody, you can chat online or you can just buy at our website, moneymetals.com. So do that today. And with that, we will conclude this week's episode of Money Metals Midweek Memo. You can get more information on the stuff that I've talked about and a lot more over at MoneyMetals.com slash news. And if you want to get the latest news right in your inbox, make sure you sign up on our email list. You can do that over at MoneyMetals.com. You can subscribe to the Midweek Memo on your favorite podcasting platform, and you can also listen to... our market wrap podcast that we produce every Friday it's a brief market wrap and a lot of times we have really interesting uh, interviews that are included with that Uh, this past week we got the first part of my interview with Dr. Edwin Vieira who is a constitutional money expert he goes even more deeply into a lot of the stuff that I've talked about today so check that out Uh, appreciate you listening to the show I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you again next Wednesday